John, would you bring our reading this morning? The reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and beginning at verse 13. It's on page 114 in the New Testament section of the Pew Bibles. And it's the story of the walk to Emmaus. On that same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village named Emmaus, about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened. As they talked and discussed, Jesus himself drew near and walked along with them. They saw him, but somehow did not recognize him. Jesus said to them, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along? They stood still with sad faces. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening there these last few days? What things, he asked. The things that have happened to Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. This man was a prophet and was considered by God and by all the people to be powerful in everything he said and did. Our chief priests and rulers handed him over to, the, to be sentenced to death and he was crucified. And we had hoped that he would be the one who was going to set Israel free. Besides all that, this is now the third day since it happened. Some of the women of our group surprised us. They went at dawn to the tomb, but could not find his body. They came back saying they had seen the vision of angels who told them that he is alive. Some of our group went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, How foolish you are! How slow you are to believe everything the prophets said! Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and then to enter his glory? And Jesus explained to them what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the books of Moses and the writings of all the prophets. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they held him back, saying, Stay with us. The day is almost over and it's getting dark. So he went in to stay with them. He sat down to eat with them, took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke the bread and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, wasn't it like a fire burning in us when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They got up at once and went back to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven disciples gathered together with the others and saying, the Lord is risen indeed, he has appeared to, say, to Simon. The two then explained to them what had happened on the road and how they had recognized the Lord when he broke the bread. Amen. Thank you, John. What really amazed me about the video that we watched earlier is how simple things really are when it comes to sharing Christ. One simple woman can plant so many churches. It makes you ask, what are we doing wrong? And when, I, when I'm over in Nepal, uh, which I will be doing in a, in a few weeks' time, it all seems so simple. Um, and yet here, you know, it doesn't seem as simple as that. We don't see that fruit here. I'm not convinced that down the years the methods used for what we call evangelism have always been particularly helpful. 
I am convinced that some are particularly unhelpful, particularly in our day. It wouldn't work for David Cameron to do a Constantine and announce a newfound faith and then expect us all to profess it through the country. We can all feel Constantine's message unpalatable as he made people become Christians in ancient Rome. But I'm also uncomfortable at the prospect of the arrogance to impose my views on others. That people might come to faith having never explored. That this journey we talk so often about, the one most of us make, is often a long road. That at some moment or other, sometimes unknown to us, we find ourselves believing. The Bible is clear that faith originates in God. It's God's spirit that leads us into all truth. Not our imposing views. Not how often we might speak about Christ. Not how many programs of evangelism we might have. It's not about our persuasive powers or our ability to speak. It's about God's leading. It's his work of mission. I'm not saying we take no part in it. We are called to fish. Or a better picture for me, a midwife, is hands off the breach. Is anybody a midwife? Has anyone been working in midwifery? Is there any medical people here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen. You know a breach delivery, bum first. Yeah? If ever you find yourself in, in Marks and Spencers, and it's coming, it's coming, the secret is hands off the breach. Don't touch. Let nature do it. Okay? Let nature do its work. And this is drilled into you because when you're a midwife, your instinct is to get involved, to help it along. I once saw two ca a camel delivering at Twycross Zoo. And I was just going, get somebody, get somebody to help. You just can't. The camel did its own stuff. And out popped a baby camel. Hands off the breach. Now, the reason I'm saying that is. That so often, when we are helping people come to faith, we feel that need to help it along a bit, don't we? We ought to say something. Well, maybe we did. Maybe God is leading us to say something. But more often than not, it's hands off the breach. Let God do God's work. Don't interfere all the time. It's not up to us. It's up to God. So, hands off the breach. A couple of weeks ago, when we started the Emmaus stuff, we thought about belonging. And in our church life, it was good for people to belong before they believed. And looked at the things we do, which are considerable, to help people belong. To create that possibility. But I want to say that also comes with a warning. Because I find it really hard to see integrity in befriending evangelism. Make a friend so that you can share the gospel and then they'll be converted. Bring them to Tommy's so we can share the gospel and then they'll be converted. It's just not got integrity. It's sneaky. It's deceitful. Rather that we love people for who they are. Rather than they come to Tommy's because of whatever reason they come to Tommy's. Rather that we leave God and keep our hands off the breach. Yeah, there'll be times when we need to share the good news. But we'll know when them times are. For me it works like this. Live my life as Christ calls. Because he is the hope of glory in me. The hope accompanies me and demonstrates in me caring, loving, walking the walk, shining the light of Christ as I go. 
life on the Emmaus Road. There will be those times prompted by God to share faith, which may lead someone to have their eyes open when they meet him. But that will be when they see Christ, when they walk with him along that road. Our lives will speak, the message we have, the people see that light. And then they might ask. But love, because Christ loves. Care, because Christ cares. Help out and get involved. Bring peace, seek justice, because Christ does that. Just keep our hands off the breach. Don't make somebody deliver into the kingdom before they're ready, before God's ready. Because that's premature and it doesn't work. We can so often get bogged down with the messages that we have. I told one of my lad's girlfriends, and he's had many, but one of them, that I was going to, um, she was a graduate, and I was going to go to university. This was a bit of a shock at my age. And I said, I'm going to go to university. She said, what are you going to study? So I said, theology. So she said, well, what's that? And actually, I didn't really know. (laughs) So I said, well, it's about God, I think. It's about God. So she said, do you think there's enough to study about God for three years? But sometimes she's right. There's lots to study about God, I know that. But we do complicate it a bit, don't we? I'm going to steal this morning some words. Unashamedly steal them. They just might help us remember and focus on who we are as a people. Sometimes God's word speaks for itself. It doesn't need someone going on for 20 minutes plus. It can stand powerfully if you listen carefully. So I'm going to read you part of a message that Paul gave the church in Colossae. The context of that message was that this church was a new group of people who had become believers. And Paul, unable to be with them because he was in prison wanted them to get to grips with their faith. You see, they lived on a strategic trade route. And it was a cosmopolitan community. And there were lots of people trying to turn them away from their original faith with lots of different teaching. Our context is different to that, but we are embarking on this road to Emmaus. A road which will help us in our own faith, but also encourage others to join us. We need to be confident in who we are. So let's use our imaginations for a moment. Allow me to steal Paul's words and make them mine to you this morning. My prayer for you is that you will live well for the Master. Make him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more about how God works, you'll learn then how to do your particular bit of work. My prayer is that you will have strength to stick at it over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives you. It's a strength that endures the endurable. It spills over into joy. He's thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. You see, God has rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He's set us up in his kingdom, the kingdom of his son, whom he loves so much 
The son who got us out of the pit we were in. The son who got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. We look at this son and God see and see God's original purpose in everything created. Because everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, ranks and ranks of angels, everything got started in him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds it together right up to this moment. Just like a head holds a body. And he was a supreme in the beginning. And leading the resurrection parade, he's supreme to the end. From beginning to end, he there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he. So roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed back together in vibrant harmony. All because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Now, you yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you had all your backs turned against God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself on the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. Now I've got this involved. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust constantly tuned into the message. This is mystery. And this mystery, for a mystery it is, has been kept in the dark for a long time. And now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know the rich and glorious secret inside and out regardless of the background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery, in a nutshell, is this. Christ in you. The mystery, in a nutshell, is this. Christ in you. Christ in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. This is the substance of the message. We preach Christ. Warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is basic. Sure, is basic. It's Christ. No more, no less. Now, that's what I'm working at. That's what I'm working so hard at. Day and night. Year after year. Doing my best with the energy God so graciously gives me. The Emmaus story is Christ. Our story is Christ incarnate. 
That means Christ living in us and us living in Christ. Soften my heart, Lord. Soften my heart. Soften my heart. From all indifference. From all indifference. Set me apart. Set me apart. To feel your compassion. loving God, we, if anything, need to know Christ. And even three years at university is not big enough to know Christ. But it is as simple as that. We need to know Christ's light ignited in us. Would you, as a group of people, show us what that means for our lives? focuses on Christ who gave all us. as we come to this table now would you open our eyes the way that you opened the eyes of your disciples to see you to see you high and lifted up in the name of Jesus We're going to listen to a piece of music as the children come back in. I wonder if somebody could let the children know for me.
We believe that everyone is welcome to this table. Just like at the meal in Emmaus. All of us will see him more clearly as we join with him at the table. Jesus said it was our love for one another that would draw all people to him. That's a bit scary, isn't it? Because sometimes we brush up and we don't get on and sometimes it's not as lovey-dovey as that in churches. Not this one, of course. This one's fine. Thank you for that. It's not a reality. Let's just relax about this. But there is a warning in Scripture, and it says that if you come to the communion table and haven't put things right with friends, etc., then it's not a good thing to do. So we're just going to take some time, because that starts first in our hearts, to get our hearts ready for the table. So let's have a time of quiet as we prepare for our meal. Let's be quiet and pray. Our God of love, we are sorry for the times that we've said and done the wrong things. When we've done things we shouldn't have. Especially when they've hurt the hearts of other people. We confess that sometimes people have hurt us too. Would you forgive us as we forgive others so that we can be right with you and them for Jesus' sake. Amen. It's when we put things right that we find peace with each other. And now, what we're going to do now is we're going to offer each other that peace. We're going to have to move. You're going to have to move because there's a reason as well behind this this morning. We're going to do things a little bit different. Just going to try a, a new experiment because I think it's, you know, you're wholly in communion and the way we do things, you sort of, then you get an arm thrust across you and, and people push past you in our communion to pass it on. And uh, what I want to do is just try something different this morning. So we're going to give the peace as a sign that Christ is among us. But when we go back to our seats, if you would only sit on certain rows. Is that okay? Some of you will therefore have to move. So if we sit on the back row, we'll miss the next row. Then we'll sit on the next row. We'll miss the next row and then we'll sit on the front row. And you can sit anywhere, okay? So if you think in your mind, it's the opposite row. So we do the back row, sit anywhere, okay? Let's give each other a sign of the peace. We usually shake hands and say, peace of Christ be with you. to find your new seat. 
piece of wood here. Peace be with you, Gwen. Okay, if we can find our seats. And if we can find number five in the Baptist hymn book. as we sing number five. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. So come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because of any goodness of your own gives you the right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come because he loved you and he gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. I wonder, Carmen, if you would come and give thanks for this meal that we're going to take. Would you come to the mic and just give thanks? Thank you. Let us pray. Eventually, Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, you know why we are here.
Father, we thank you for everyone that is here this morning, and we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Lord, for the bread and the wine that was shed and blood for you. We thank you for the wine that, was, that is your blood, and we thank you for the bread that was your body. Jesus, we thank you that we are here, and we give you thanks. We thank you for the water that we drink. We thank you for the food we eat, and we give you thanks for this table. In Jesus' precious name I do pray. Amen. Have any of the children got a question for me? Sarah. Sorry, Brian. She was just a little bit quicker. Why do we have communion? Was that the same question you were going to ask? Okay, why do we have communion? Well, it's written in the Bible. I'm going to read that now. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution, wow, that's a big word, of the Lord's Supper. For I receive from the Lord what I also hand on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, that's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink, sorry, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the short answer is that we are remembering him and what he did for us. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Having given thanks, we're going to take the bread and say this is my body and it's for you and we're going to take and we're going to eat as we receive the bread to remember him
after supper, he took the cup. And he said, from now on, this will be a new covenant made between me and you in my blood. So we are very grateful for that. we receive the cup, we'll hold on to it so that we can drink together as a sign of our unity together. So let us drink and remember that Christ died for us. Before we finish this time together at the table, it would be good to bring our prayers to the world. And we're going to do that in a slightly different way. I would like people to, as I go through the places, to just say one line or no more, sometimes a word that we might remember in our prayers. So as we pray for the nations, we might say Nigeria. But we all, I'd like us all to join in that, if we could. Even the children, you know places that you'd like to pray for, just shout them out. Okay? So, Lord, we bring our world to you as we said we would at the beginning of our service. We pray for nations in our world that desperately need you to put them back together again because of wars. So we name those nations before you now, those warring nations. Britain. Mm -hmm. 
one of the children said Scotland, Jamaica. Lord, we bring these nations, those mentioned, those in our hearts to you. We think of our community and places that we work in our community, places that we go to school in our community. We name them now before you. Lenton Primary. Lenton Centre. the mums and dads, Chilwell Comp, Trent University. Lord, you know all those places in our hearts as well as those we've spoken and we bring them to you. And now around this table, we bring those we know who need your healing touch, who need to know that you're with them as they travel their bits of journey. And we think straight away of Max who is poorly in hospital. We think of um, Nancy, who is obviously looking after him as best she can, but missing him so much, and others. And we say for those we've spoken, those that are in our hearts, those that we know of but can't name for confidentiality, Lord, would you heal the broken body, the broken spirit, and the broken mind in the name of Jesus. And we bring all of our prayers to you in the name of Jesus. And we declare that your death we commemorate. Your resurrection we confess. Your final coming we wait. And we say, glory be to you, O Christ. Amen. We're going to sing our uh, final song together now. It's in your hymn book, number 57. Now I just want to explain, we're not, we're going to take up an offering, but for those people who aren't normally with us, I just want you to know, we don't always take two offerings. It's just that this one is to give away to the people of Lenton when they need it. So we're going to take what we call a fellowship offering that we give away to other people. If you haven't come prepared for that, do not worry. It's not a problem. Let's sing together number 57. We're going to stand and sing.
God, would you work your miracle of love in and through us so that your compassion may become a stream of blessing flowing out from our lives into our communities and into the places where healing, hope and peace are most needed. Shall we say the grace together? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.